Jacob settled in the land where his father had lived as an alien, the land of Canaan. This is the story of the family of Jacob. Joseph, being 17 years old, was shepherding the flock with his brothers. He was a helper to the sons of Bila and Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought a bag of them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his children, because he was the son of his old age, and he had made him a long robe with sleeves. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all of his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him. Now his brothers went to pasture their father's flock near Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are not your brothers pasturing the flock at Shechem? Come, I will send you to them. He answered, Here I am. So he said to him, Go now, see if it is well with your brothers and with the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron. He came to Shechem, and a man found him wandering in the fields. The man asked him, What are you seeking? I am seeking my brothers, he said. Tell me, please, where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, They have gone away, for I heard them say, Let us go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. They saw him from a distance. Before he came near to them, they conspired to kill him. They said to one another, Here comes this dreamer. Come now, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. Then we shall say that a wild animal has found him, and we shall see what will become of his dreams. But when Reuben heard it, he delivered him out of their hands, saying, let us not kill his Let us not take his life. Reuben said to them, Shed no blood. Throw him into this pit here in the wilderness, but lay no hand on him, that he might rescue him out of their hand and restore him to his father. So when Joseph came to his brothers, they stripped him of his robe, a long robe with sleeves and he wore. And they took him and threw him into a pit. The pit was empty. There was no water in it. Then they sat down to eat, and looking up, they saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead with their camels carrying gum, balm, and resin on their way to carry it down to Egypt. Then Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it if we kill our brother and turn steal his blood? Come, let us sell him to the Ishmaelites, and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers agreed. When some Medeanite traders passed by, they drew Joseph up, lifted him out of the pit, and sold him to the Ishmaelites for twenty pieces of silver. And they took Joseph to Egypt. Here was the Spirit who was saying to the church.
Moses writes concerning the righteousness that comes from the law, that the person who does these things will live by them. But the righteousness that comes from faith says, Do not say in your heart, Who will ascend into heaven? That is, to bring Christ down. Or, Who will descend into the abyss? That is, to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you, on your lips and in your heart. That is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your lips that Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with the heart, and so is justified. And one confesses with the mouth, and so is saved. The scripture says, No one who believes in him will be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. But how are they to call on one in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in one whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone to proclaim him? And how are they to proclaim him unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But by this time, the boat, battered by the waves, was far from the land, for the wind was against them. And early in the morning, he came walking toward them on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them and said, Take heart, it is I. Do not be afraid. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. He said, Come. So Peter got out of the boat, started walking on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he noticed the strong wind, he became frightened, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him, saying to him, You of little faith, why do you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Regarding these miracle stories, 
that he said he always accepted them just as they are, because he said it's not about the facts at all, but rather it's about the gospel truth, the truth that miracle was pointing to. So the word for us this morning, as we think about this morning's gospel, is to find that truth that the miracle is pointing to. So what is that truth? I think that we need first to kind of look at that story one more time to, to get at that. Jesus had just fed those multitude of people. And the scripture says that he commanded the disciples to go by boat across the lake to the next place that they were going to be. It's very odd that he would uh, use that language. No idea why. But it could have been just to get some people out of his life. You can imagine that that day must have been incredibly difficult. They had all of those people to take care of. The disciples really wanted to get rid of the crowd earlier because they didn't know how they were going to feed them. And then when Jesus did, in fact, feed them, they were stuck with the task of distributing all that food and then cleaning up afterward. They must have all been exhausted. So Jesus sends the disciples away, and he sends the crowd away as well. And the scripture says he goes up to the mountain and he prays. And then sometime during his prayer, he has an awareness that the disciples are out at sea, and they're having a very difficult time because of the wind. And in, in the, that part of, uh, of Israel, uh, those storms would come up on the Sea of Galilee, even to this day, very quickly. So uh, even a fisherman might be out there who knows how to read the weather, and suddenly find themselves in a very difficult situation with the wind resisting their attempt to get to shore. There were fishermen in that boat, and the others who were there would have no indication that they had any fear about what was happening in that storm at all. But they were really afraid when Jesus came to them walking on the water. They thought they saw a ghost, and the scripture says they were terrified. And then Jesus speaks to them immediately. He says, take heart. It is I. Do not be afraid. I think in this particular section of the gospel lesson, there are two things that we should pay attention to. The first is uh, when Jesus says, it is I. That is a Greek translation of what God said to Moses in the burning bush. That theophany, the revealing of God in a physical way to Moses. And now this was revealing the divinity of Jesus to his disciples and to us. So I think that's the first thing that we're called to notice in this lesson. And in one sense, then, this, this miracle is pointing to the divinity of Jesus. The second thing to notice, I think, are those beautiful words, do not be afraid. I think those are among the most beautiful words of Scripture. Fear can paralyze us. It can keep us from doing the things that we know we should do. We're afraid to do them because we think we might fail and make a fool of ourselves. Fear stops us from doing them. Fear can stand in the way of us venturing out in a way that we know has great possibilities, but we don't go because we're afraid. Fear can be so bad that some people cannot leave their homes. They just have to stay in their house. Because there's so much out there to be afraid of. And Jesus says, not just here, but in other places as well, be not afraid. Fear can destroy faith. Fear can keep us from growing into the kind of Christian that we are called to be. So I think that's an extremely important thing for us to hear in this gospel. Someone once said that life is like walking on a tightrope. And as scary as that might be, we rest in the hope that if we fall, the hand of God will catch us, as the hand of God caught Jesus after the crucifixion. That's the Christian hope. We can't avoid the fact that life is walking on a tightrope, but we can't have confidence in the one who will catch us when we fall. Well, at this point, something happens that I don't think it occurs in any of the other Gospels with regard to this particular uh, story about Jesus. Peter, 
calls out to Jesus and says, if, if, you are, if you are Jesus, tell me to come to you. And Jesus says, come. We have to be careful what we pray for. If you pray for something, that in the end, you probably wish you had just left alone. So he starts out going over the water, and then he realizes, this is really a bad storm. There's a lot of wind out here, and I think I'm sinking. And Jesus reaches out and catches him. Peter says, save me, and Jesus does. I think that this, too, is an important thing for us to see. I, this week, there have been so many awful things in the news. Uh, I'm sure there have been weeks that have been as bad as this, but it just is uh, it very uh, weighs heavily, I would say, at least on my spirit. If you think about the Ukraine, it's not getting any better. The failed truces between Israel and Hamas, those terrible atrocities and the forcing from their homes of Christians and other minority religious, the uh, Ebola virus seemingly out of control. There are all these things in our world that we can be afraid of. This lesson sometimes is preached as an admonition against doubt. But the truth is, all doubt. Peter doubted. The wonderful thing is that when Peter doubted, Jesus recognized it and then he reached for it. He didn't leave it alone. The God that we worship is a loving God. That God knows that we have limitations, that we are not perfect people. Our God knows that we doubt and that we are afraid many times in our lives. But the truth is that the God we worship is also the one who will reach out and save us. Christianity is not a self-help project. It is not what we do. It is what God does. So let us have faith. Let us pray knowing that we will fail, knowing that we will doubt, but also believing in the one Save us.
Hear us, Lord.
three more Sundays in August 1724 and 31, for which we need people to sign up to be lectors. If you sign up on your way out of church, I will send you your readings on the Monday of the week you will read, so you can practice for your Sunday. I will include pronunciation for any difficult Hebrew words. It's a wonderful experience to read scripture for our training community. Thank you very much. I am Susie Buffett speaking for the Healing Prayer Team. This evening, we will have our Healing Prayer service over there in transit, where we usually have Healing Prayer every Sunday. 7 o'clock, a little bit of music, hands on if you like it. And it's a lovely, peaceful half hour. So I hope you come and see you. Thank you, sir.
Son. 